With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi. This is Bob Clark. Listen to, and you're listening to. You're listening to, and you're listening. You're listening to. You're listening to. Snow the goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. I look through the glass and I see a man who's laden in blue. And it's it's not the St. Louis Blues. It's not the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's not a, an alternate jersey from the Colorado Avalanche. It's our producer, Ryan Lennox, who is adorned in the colors of the New York football giants. And I'm going to take him to task for that in the next hour uh, over from 6 to 7 on Crossing Broadcast. But this is a, a different show today. My typical friend, my running mate, my colleague, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Philly, is not in studio. Woohoo! But he is with us. Like a, like a spirit floating over the studio, correct? This is the worst kind of spirit. Like, this is my favorite Christmas movie is Muppet Christmas Carol, right? And there's uh, the, the ghost of Christmas past is like that creepy little floating Muppet. That's kind of like you, Anthony. You're, you're just kind of floating there. Very strange. Through, the, through you're, the magic of technology, Russ. You're jolly enough to be the ghost of Christmas present. But really, because of your long-winded rants and the way that you put down those who love and care about you the most, the Crossing Broad family, you're more like that ghost of Christmas future. Thanks. I'm just kidding. Happy holidays to you too, my friend. (laughs) He's more like Joe Pesci from Home Alone. He just won't leave us alone. There we go. (laughs) Anthony, it's good that you could be with us through the the magic of technology. No, you didn't kind of screw it up. Tell the people what really happened. Yeah, no, I did. So, well, to be fair, um, I scheduled, you know, I'm involved with theater, right? And I'm directing another show. Well, why don't you just Uh, plug the theater while you're at it? Players Club of Swarthmore. I'm directing a show called Anything Goes. And when I scheduled the auditions for Anything Goes, it was before we had uh, a radio show. And I scheduled back in May, I scheduled my auditions for last Wednesday and tonight. And it didn't dawn on me until yesterday <laughs> when I text. I, I called Ryan Lennox last night at around, I don't know, what time was it, Ryan? Like 9.30? It was 9.34. Um, yeah. I, and I just I was like, oh, no. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, I can't drive down to the studio because there's no way I'll make it back in time, especially with the weather, uh, for the auditions. 
Um, and I can't leave Russ hanging by himself to talk hockey to himself for an hour. So I, we need to set up a way for me to be able to be on the show, just not be present in studio. So we, you know, through the magic of Skype and, you know, having a uh, uh, hey, professional they don't sponsor us yet. You can't no plugging. The specific yeah, that, app that we use for our podcasting purposes. Uh, Ryan was uh, awesome enough to make it happen so that I can be there with you on the show, but be situated here at the Players Club uh, waiting for people to arrive for my audition. I hope these are the best auditions of your life. Like if you walk it, away from these auditions tonight and you have anything less than the very best of the Delaware Valley, we're going to have an issue. You and then I. I'm gonna, then I'm going to call you up and say, hey, Ross, I need you for the show. <sighs> You know, we could do this every week. This would work out great for me. <laughs> Although it should be the other way around, though, right? Ryan, leave Russ at home and just have me down there? Uh, I don't know. He did get pizza this week, so... Sure did. I know yeah, how to bribe the producer. Trying to, trying to rival me. He's trying to rival me. I get it. It's not really a rivalry, if you think about it. Well, let's talk about your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, the orange and black. It's been an interesting week. If we go back to... I know that you always like to do this, Anthony. We're going to go back. Let's talk about last week's predictions. You had them going two and one. I had them going three and zero, oh, and they finished two and one. Two and one. And, and not only did not only did I correctly predict uh, how they would do last week. Oh, here we go. I even gave you the game that they would lose in regulation. You did. So they beat Toronto, lose in regulation to the Arizona Coyotes, who are really darn good, like a lot better than most people think. Uh, I think that Coyotes team come the end of the season is going to be right in the mix for to make a long run. Uh, to the Stanley Cup final, potentially out west, and then beat Ottawa. Now, I thought the Ottawa game would be easier than it was, um, but we'll talk about it. It was an interesting game for sure on Saturday. But yes, 2-1 and one was my prediction, and that's exactly what they did. Let's talk about the Toronto game really quickly, because I think that's the one that, I mean, it's obviously the, the one that happened almost a week ago. But coming out of that game, you know, you talk about what a 6-1 win looks like for somebody who didn't watch the game or who might not have like seen the actual breakdown of the scoring. It really wasn't a 6-1 game at all, was it? It was it was really more of a like a 2-1. 2-1. Maybe, maybe, maybe 3-1. Yeah. I mean, it was it was one nothing for the longest time, then Toronto ties it, and then the Flyers got one back. Drew scores the go-ahead goal, uh, and they go up 2-1. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of close, kind of close, and then Konechny kind of separates with what three minutes like around 3 minutes ago in the game. Makes it 3-1, and that, from that point on, Toronto was just like, all right, we're getting on the plane going back north of the border. And the Flyers just pumped in three more goals in the final couple minutes of the game uh, and, and put it away. But literally, for 57 minutes, it was a one-goal, really close, well-played hockey game on both sides. Well, and let's talk about one other thing that I think is is massively important in this game, and it was the Flyers give up that late goal in the third period. And how many times last year did you and I sit down there together and we watched the body language of the team change. It didn't yeah. matter who was on the bench. It didn't matter if it was Scott Gordon. It didn't matter if it was uh, uh, Dave Hackstall. The second this team fell behind, regardless of situation, the body language changed. But especially late in a game like that, to see uh, what I, I wouldn't call it a dominating performance by any stretch of the imagination. But it was it was good. It was a tight game. They give up a late goal, and instead of seeing that kind of sulking that we've grown so accustomed to seeing in the last year. This team continues to be a resilient bunch. And I made the joke on Twitter that, oh, you know, of course, the Flyers want to play in overtime. It's not like they hadn't done it much. I think it was 10 times in the first 23 games or something like that. Right. Um, almost immediately. It was like, what, a, a minute and a half, two minutes of game time later, Claude Giroux puts the team up. And they, they never look back. 
But there was something that was interesting in that, and it was some of the post-game remarks that were made by the Maple Leafs. Um, uh, what, what was his name? Um, Austin, Austin Matthews. Matthews. Yeah, I was thinking Marner. <laughs> Marner was out. Austin Martin Matthews goes out of his way to say that they put their goalie in a bad spot because they practically folded and, and quit. Now, how many times last year did you and I go down into the locker room after the game and the, the term confidence came up a lot? Mm-hmm. The idea of having to find your way came up a lot and not yeah. letting your and not getting your head down. You've seen what the Maple Leafs have gone through here over the last few weeks with the firing of Mike Babcock with allegations that came out. That that team, for as much talent as they have, as much top end talent as they have, they're kind of going through, it feels like, in some way, what that Flyers team went through a year ago. Meanwhile, the Flyers have reversed roles from where they were at this point last year. Yeah, well, at least for one game. I mean, you could sit there and say the Leafs are going through that. I mean, yeah, they've been struggling this year, but I think that was more of a clash, personality clash with the coach. I don't think that's a not confident team. I think they just need to, you know, find their way with with their new coach. And they got off to a pretty good start with him. I mean, if you go back and look at Sheldon Keefe's first handful of games, the Leafs were playing like you expected the Leafs to play. And the Flyers game was a good game. Um, and then, of course, they they did they did kind of quit on him at the end on the on their goalie at the end of the game. But I wouldn't say they quit on him uh, uh, prior to Konechny's goal. I don't think they they were quitting at all. I mean, they were coming. They kept you know bringing the you know pressure. Uh, they were getting shots on Carter Hart, um, who had a really good game. Um, so I mean, you know, I wouldn't say that it was like a, a a total letdown by the Maple Leafs. I mean. You know, they were probably frustrated with the way the game ended, of course, and you lose the game six to one. So I, I kind of understand why Austin Matthews says what he says. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a it's a role reversal. That said, it's a complete 180 for the Flyers. And, and we've been talking about this now. This isn't you know something new. I mean, we've brought this up in the in the last you know like episode or two. Like there's a different feel about this team. Like you could just you could just sense it. You know, there were times last year, Russ, when we would sit down there at those games, and we would, uh, you know, the Flyers would be ahead, and we would just look at each other and be like, they're not holding on to this lead. Yep. <laughs> like, like you could just see the way they were playing, that it was just it was going to happen. They were going to give it up, and part of that was a lack of confidence in the goaltending. I mean, Elliott, when he played, he was playing hurt, um, and no other goalie on the roster was any good until Carter Hart came up, and even then, you know, Hart did have a stretch where it wasn't, you know, he was a rookie and he wasn't the greatest, you know, whatever. Um, so you just kind of felt that way several times last year, but even going back, um, into the Hackstall era in the, in the previous seasons, um, with you not being there, but I mean, I, you know, I could tell you that I would sit in that, in that press box and be like, yeah, they, they're not holding this lead. (laughs) They're, they're not going to win this game. They're going to find a way to lose it. And more often than not, they did this team. I don't get that feeling. I don't sit up there and say they're going to lose this guy. As a matter of fact, it surprises me now when they, when they blow a game. And they've blown a couple this year. I mean, there's there's no doubt. I mean, if you look back and you know the 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 Islander game where they had the three nothing lead in the third period, they blew that one. Um, a couple of the games that they lost in the shootout, they were certainly the better team and ended up blowing the game and losing in the shootout. So I mean, there have been games where the Flyers, you sit there and say, oh man, they should have won that one. But those happen over the course of a year, right? Um, but I think that in this instance, we're looking at a team that doesn't feel like, uh oh one mistake and we're going to blow this. This feels like a team that's like, all right, we got a lead. We're going to protect it and, it's, and it ain't going away. And that's a big difference. And, I, and, and that's why they are where they are in the standings. And now we have to bring the black cloud. There's a lot a of black cloud? There is. 
a lot of oh. the confidence that this team had, I think the perfect personification of of what Flyers fans have come to expect in their players, and and I guess you know just in a general kind of sense, it's what we expect of hockey players in general to to play until every whistle, sometimes play through the whistle, to give up the body, to show that blue collar kind of mentality. That guy is Travis Konechny. He takes a late hit, and now he's out indefinitely with a concussion. And he's been a guy who's led this team for large stretches of the season in goals and points. The, the loss, the impact of, impact of his loss, I don't think can be overstated. No, but I also, I mean, again, we don't know the severity of the concussion, right? And I, usually when you see indefinitely, usually that means it's going to be longer term. Um, but they're not, I don't think that they're certain with concussions. So they just, I think they just say indefinitely to err on the side of caution. Um, if I recall correctly, I'm going to take you back when, uh, Claude Giroux had a concussion, um, and he was out indefinitely and he came back after four games. And in the first game back it was, we were in Dallas. As a matter of fact, it was the game when Steve Ott and Peter Laviolette got into an, I don't know if you remember that game. Oh, <laughs> Steve Ott was we'll on, talk about on Dallas. Later. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, um, that 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 game. Uh, Drew came back and and he had four point game um, in that first game back. Um, so I mean he came back relatively quickly. So it depends on the severity of the concussion. And I think that they're probably going to you know err on the side of caution just to be just to be safe. You know to not you know not sure where it's at. You know it's only been two days now. Let's let's see how he recovers from it. They did kind of hint that he's probably going to miss the next three games. Um, so he's going to miss the road trip, although they didn't rule it out completely. They said he's not going on the trip, but it's potential that he could join them. But I don't know. I don't see there's if he's no, not going on the trip, no he's not playing Colorado Wednesday. And then there's back to backs on the weekend. Maybe you just just as soon leave him out of those games and see if he can get healthy by Tuesday against Anaheim, which would be a, um, uh, at that point would be a 10 day rest. And maybe that's the case. Um so I, you know, that's kind of when I think he'll he'll be back, unless it's really bad. But it didn't seem like that bad of a hit <laughs> to be worse than that. So I, I don't know. I just think it's the three games and 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 they'll survive. But they're gonna have to find a way um, to make up for his production. I mean, Konechny's playing with Giroux and, and Morgan Frost. He's playing on the top power play line. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how they replace him. Maybe they didn't therapy. show they didn't show you anything at practice today. Um, at practice today, they just ran some drills uh, in different forward groups. Uh, some of them on the ice at one point, some at another point. So it wasn't a regular practice. Um, I get the sense JVR will jump up to that line. Hey now, um, and then you know, and they already said they're not fourth you know, line in now, your program. PP one in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, they're gonna have to make a change on the power play, but at least on the on the on five on five, I think JVR is gonna play. With uh, with Drew and and Frost, and you'll probably see Chris Stewart um, jump on that fourth line with uh, Pitlick um, and Vorobiev, um, which is not the greatest fourth line. But no, uh, repeat is, repeat is, that is, fourth is line one more time. Well, you're you're gonna have Vorobiev at center, and and then Pitlick, and who's been really good. I mean, he's the one you know solid player on the line, and and Chris Stewart. Pitlick has been fine. I'm not gonna crap on it. Vorobiev has done jack diddly squat in two years worth of call-ups in two years worth of fans getting their hopes up that this guy was going to prove to somebody to himself to his coaches to his teammates that he belongs at the NHL level he has done nothing 
And so for a lineup that you and I had talked about a week ago being probably the deepest set of forwards the teams had, really, even on the defensive side, I mean, if you looked at this team collectively, include the goalies, include the defensemen, this is probably the most talented team top to bottom in six years, seven years, longer. And now all of a sudden you get an injury. You've got Phil Myers is going to be out Wednesday with back spasms. And all of a sudden it, it starts to feel like we're going to really see how deep this team is. Well, the, the, the what's going to come into question here is something that you've been stomping your feet about since the summer. It's the fact that the Flyers have put themselves in a tough spot cap-wise. Um, you really can't call anybody up unless you send somebody down or unless you put somebody on long-term injury. And I don't think they want to put Konechny on long-term injury. I mean, they're not going to put Myers on long-term injury. It's just back spasms, right? That's probably just miss a game. Um, but, uh, you know, so the question is how, how severe is Konechny's concussion? Is it enough where he has to miss a month? If so, then you put him on long-term injury and you call somebody up. If it's not, and he could be back before then, then you, you don't have room to call somebody up unless you send somebody down uh, or unless you move some salary. And I don't think that they're going to do that. I, I think that they're just going to try and survive with what they have. Um, and at that point, at this point, that's it is what it is. And so you're going to get a fourth line that doesn't play very much. You're probably going to get Pitlick getting some extra shifts uh, in place of Farabee um, on the third line uh, or maybe even a little bit, um, if, if it's uh, the, for protecting a lead, maybe even a little bit for Frost. Um, and, and that's it. I mean, you know, Stewart and Vorobiev are going to play and maybe Vorobiev slots up and down, you know, maybe somebody else comes up and Vorobiev goes down or vice versa or whatever. Um, but other than that, I mean, th- this is what it's going to be until Konechny can get back. One of the talk of, uh, before we move on, let's make sure that we let the people know, because I know last week we had a couple of people call in. If you want to get in on the conversation, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888 888- Seven two eight nine nine four one. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go. Let's go to last Thursday's game, to the game against the Coyotes. Phil Kessel, who I I don't know about you, but it feels like every year people are ready to write off Phil Kessel. They're ready to say that this is it for him, and somehow he manages time and time again to terrorize the Flyers. He leaves the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he comes back in, and he's the deciding factor in in that game. Does Phil Kessel hate Philadelphia? (laughs) Well, I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been a thorn in the Flyers' side. There's no doubt about it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't don't necessarily think he he has it. You know, he's gunning for for Philadelphia. Um, Although it would be interesting. I wonder if he gets on the board anytime he comes here. If he's money on the board anytime he comes here, I I wonder if that's the case. So, um, it's curious. That's, that's a curious question, Russ. I mean, I guess it could be, could be something about playing against a certain team that you just like. You know, you have a little extra something in your step, and 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 you tend to perform better against them. Um, but I'm not a you know, Arizona's a good team, man. They play just like their coach played. They're a they're a hard checking. They're they're tight. Um, uh, they really take away a lot of space. Uh, they really keep you to the outside. I was talking to Matt Niskanen about it um, after the game. I did a little one-on-one with Niskanen uh, after that game. Um, 
you know, I put some of the quotes you know, in in my story that after that game on, you know, that ran on Friday, um, but I did talk to him a bit for stuff that didn't go into um, into that story. It was you know just about the way that, that Arizona plays, and and uh, you know, he says it's tough to play them. He says they really don't give you a lot of room. He says you gotta you've got to work for space. He says and then you got to find a way to get shots through, and when you get shots through, you got to have guys there to get the puck. He says, it's not easy to do. <laughs> they really do a nice job of shutting it down. And of course, you know, everybody's saying, oh, Darcy Kemper's having such a great year, and Antti Ranta, the other goalie, is playing great there as well. And, and they are. I'm not trying to take anything away from the goaltending, but a lot of the reason that the goalies have the, the goals against and the save percentages that they do is because of the way that the team is playing in front of them. I mean, their that system is very, very good. And, you know, I had a couple people on Twitter say, Ant reminds me of, uh, the devils in the 90s mm-hmm. and it's not it's different it's it, it, i understand why people say that because it's so hard to get anything going against them but the devils shut you down in the neutral zone arizona doesn't do that arizona arizona lets you come into their zone i mean the flyers had great puck possession that night you just couldn't get shots i mean they controlled the time of possession couldn't get shots and that's because arizona just really really takes away the middle of the ice and and that's that's their that's what their mo is every game, and then they're opportunistic and they score on the other end. So they're they're a tough team. And and I thought that the Flyers for the most part played okay. I mean it wasn't wasn't their greatest game, but it wasn't it wasn't like they, you know, they they embarrassed themselves. I mean I think that they played a pretty good game against Arizona. And what was the biggest positive? They came back after that game, and they took care of business at home. Right, they win that game against Ottawa. Um, things go a little bit sideways on them. Of course, we get we get some uh, some bad hits. We get some chippy play, and they manage to win that game late, and everything feels great once again. Now, the maybe the concerning thing in that game is that they gave up a goal as late as they did with uh, five minutes remaining in the third, and it almost felt like two games prior, like we broke down earlier in the show. But this team, Scott Lawton especially. Um, you know, you talk about a guy who, over the course of his career, people have, have kind of harkened back to the fact that he was a former first-round pick. And, you know, is he really worth that first-round pick if he ends up being a bottom-six kind of forward? And you and I have talked, I don't know, over a year, year and a half now, about how Scott Lawton and his ability to play up and down the roster, but specifically in that bottom-six in pretty much any role they put him in, is so valuable to a team. And, you know... you. I know that a lot of fans, when it comes to the modern game, they want to get away from the muck, the muck and grinder kind of mentality. But Lawton's not that, but he does bring a real hard, a hard-nosed edge to this team. He is a prototypical third-line player. I, I mean, when you when you want to identify what a third-line player should look like in hockey, it's Scott Lawton. It's a guy who can, you know, play really good in his own end, who plays plays a hard game. You know, he's not afraid to go into the corners. He's not afraid to go in front of the net. He's not afraid to get physical. He's not afraid to be chippy and chirpy. Um, and and at the same time, he can provide you offense, you know, secondary scoring. He's got four goals in the last five games. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, I, he's not going to maintain that pace all year, but he's the kind of guy that if he stays healthy, he can get you 20 goals. Yep. And if you're getting 20 goals from that third line, from a guy on your third line, that's huge. That's depth. I mean, you want to talk about depth. Scott Lawton is depth. And it's one of those times where, where like, once again, you know, I know people get really upset about draft, about your draft position, right? Like, if you're a a fourth-round guy and you end up being successful, then all of a sudden you're this great pick. But if you're a first-round pick and you can't crack the top six, it's as if, you know, you're a failed prospect, you're a failed player. And and that's just not the case, 
right? No. Like, like teams find guys that are undrafted. Phil Myers is one of those. Teams have guys who who far outperform their uh, their draft stock, Oscar Lindblom. And then sometimes you have a guy who, you know, if if ever if you told a GM in this league or really in any league, your first round pick is going to be a night in night out contributor, and and a valuable one, not one who's like your final forward, right? He not be a real true vet, and be a guy that you can rely on. Not be a real true vet, and be a guy that you can rely on. Pretty much any GM is going to take that, right? They're going to take that over the variance that could exist between maybe being a top six forward and then also completely whiffing, right? Yeah. So let me. I'm going to go just real quick. Uh, forwards drafted after Scott Lawton who've produced more points than him to this point in his career in that 2012 draft. Okay. Um, forwards that have scored more points, uh, Tanner Pearson for the Kings, which was a nice pick. That was the last pick of the first round. Um, uh, Colton Sissons, um, Nashville, he's got one more point than Scott Lawton. So they're basically the same. Um, Chris Tierney, San Jose has been a nice player. Is more of a setup kind of guy. Um, uh, Jordan Martinuk from Arizona. Again, this is this is a second round like kind of second round guy. He's at ninety three, so he's only five more points than Lawton. Kind of the same kind of player. And, and Devin Shore um, from Dallas. I mean, that, that's the, in, in the first two rounds. Guys that were drafted after Lawton, and he's got ninety eight. So we're, we're really we're talking within ten points over the course of five six years. You're talking a point or two a year. You know, yeah, are there guys later, you know, that, that have done more? Sure. I mean, there's Jimmy VC. He was a third rounder. Um, that's got a bunch of points. Um, uh, Josh Anderson, he's, you know, he's kind of in the same boat. Um, uh, Athanasiu, who, you know, we talked about on Detroit, who I love. One of the, he's the fastest skater in the NHL. He was a fourth round pick uh, by the Red Wings. But, I mean, these are guys that, you know, that a lot of guys passed, a lot of teams passed on, right? So it wasn't just like the Flyers could have had this guy instead of Scott Lawton. So when you really look at it, I mean, there's not much that you sit there and say, when I just mentioned those names, you sit there and go, well, I'd rather have that guy than Scott Lawton. I mean, I'll take Scott Lawton ahead of almost every player. Maybe Tanner Pearson's the only one I sit there and say, yeah, I'd take him ahead of Lawton at this point. Um, but even then, I mean, Pearson's a winger and Lawton can play center. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's different value there as well. So, I think the Flyers got it right. When you look at the talent level that was in that draft, I mean, there were some defensemen who were really good that went after him. But if you were looking, if you were looking for a center, there's not many centers who were drafted after him that I'd, if any, you know, Tierney maybe. This isn't like maybe. the Nolan Patrick draft. No, where you no, can, not where you at can all. look and it's say different. almost immediately after him there were. With three legitimate contributors. Well, Petter, <laughs> Elias Pettersson with Vancouver is the one that, you know, you really look at and say, "Oh, geez, I mean, how do you how do you miss that? How do you miss that? That was the one that you wanted, right? I mean, that he was the number one ranked, um, uh, I think, uh, European forward, um, and he went fifth. I mean, uh, but Dallas and Colorado took defensemen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pettersson's the one that you sit there and go, God. That's the one. That's the guy you really wanted, right? That's the one. So, um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that Lawton is Lawton is, a, I mean, and not a lot of guys who you know get drafted twentieth overall turn into superstars either. I mean, that's the other thing. Keep in mind where he was picked in the first round. It's not like he was picked at the top of the first round. He was picked twentieth overall. So, I mean, like if if I look at guys who were uh, 
let's see, drafted the 20th overall. Anything, anybody in recent years? No. <laughs> like, so there you go. Like, it's like the it's greatest, good value. The greatest players at pick 20 are, are like, you know, guys who played forever ago. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find forwards that were like really superstar players that, I mean, Travis Zajac wasn't a superstar. I mean, he was a good yeah. player for the Devils. I mean, he's one. This is taking um, me back to our podcast days. Well, when I would look this stuff up all well, the time Well, you look this stuff fly. up in, in real time, you not being here, us not throwing things at each other while recording. Like, this is, there's something nice about this. Yeah. Well, while, no, you're, looking, while you're looking that up, let me throw the number out to the people. 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. We're not taking any breaks today, Anthony. We're going all in. We're going all in on this hour. So while you look that up, let me let the people know about DraftKings Sportsbook. It's officially available in Pennsylvania. As the trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever, with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. This week, DraftKings has has a pro basketball promo you won't want to miss. It's simple. If you bet on Philly to win, they score 76 points first and end up losing, you get your bet back up to $25. Plus, DraftKings is based right here in the U.S. It's not offshore, so you know that your funds are safe and secure. And if you're already betting in PA, bet with another book and take advantage of the DraftKings great sign-up offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code CROSSINGBROAD, that's CROSSINGBROAD, all caps, when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code CROSSINGBROAD to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Anthony, do you have a game for the people? I do. I should have given the Flyers last week, right? I mean, I got all three of them right, but they were not my official pick last week, and I got my official pick wrong. So That's two uh, weeks in a row that you've gotten them wrong, right? Yeah. I'm down after to seven, a nice, and f- seven and four. After a nice hot streak that yeah, you're beating your chest about. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to roll with you this week. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'll give you one. Tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night, December 10th. Um, you know, usually when teams travel to Florida, yeah, it's usually a game, you know, you, you always like to bet. I like to bet the Panthers at home because teams traveling down there, they're at the beach. Usually you're coming from a cold weather city. You get to go to Florida for a bit, right? Just kind of hang out on the beach. Usually get a day off down there and you just kind of just lose, lose focus a little bit. And it always ends up like, oh man, how did we lose that game? Not to mention the Panthers are a pretty good team this year, right? I mean, they've gotten off to a pretty good start, surprising a lot of people, much like the Flyers. They're 15, nine and five so far this season. Um, But the one team that you don't ever really have to worry about uh, getting getting falling for a trap game by going to Florida is a team from the other side of Florida with Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Lightning uh, gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, they're 14, 10, and 3 so far this season. That's only 27 games, three games fewer than the Flyers so far this season. They're, they've played the fewest games in the conference so far. Um, and they're just starting to kind of feel their way again. They're starting to look good again. I like the Lightning on the road going into Fort Lauderdale against the Panthers. Um, at, well, it's Sunrise, not really Fort Lauderdale, but it's a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but going into Sunrise and taking that game against the Panthers. So bet the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday, December 10th. Look at you. That's a great job. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with it on the number one sports betting app in these United States of America. And, of course, that's DraftKings Sportsbook. Go download the app right now. Use the promo code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. 
And don't forget, you can get that risk-free bet of up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. There's a uh, there's a player who plays for the Flyers who made a lot of money in the offseason. And he referenced us on a national podcast. Now, no. of course, it wasn't Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, Flyers radio show. Nay, nay. He went to another one. We won't name it because they didn't name us. We won't name them. No, they. I just think that they're that they don't know who the hell we are. No, they do, and I know they do because when they brought the story up when it first broke, when we had Frank Cervalli on the show, and he broke that story about how let's recap how an NHL player told him the night before, I think it was Game Seven in Boston, that the only way that Kev- Kevin Hayes told this player the only way that he would sign with the Flyers is if they overpaid him. That then went on to this show. And they specifically said crossing broad. They did. But they I did. you got to remember, it's being hosted by a couple of former hockey players who uh, you know, were bounced around a little bit. So they might not have the greatest memories. I'll tell people where they can find it because I think it's important to listen to the interview. Sure. Uh, it's Spit and Chicklets, um, which is a Barstool podcast. It's episode 225 featuring Kevin Hayes. It's the newest it starts a, It's a long – I mean their, their podcasts they're, are they're long. long. They're, they're long. ridiculous. It's like two hours and 41 minutes. Kevin Hayes comes on at about an hour and three – Okay, hour, one hour, three minutes, um, and he talks for. They have him on for like fifty minutes. It's a, it's a, it's not a bad interview. I'll give him credit. It's a pretty good interview. Um, Hayes starts talking about this story at the one hour, ten minute mark. So if you if you go check out Spit and Chicklets uh, with that episode, you'll find it. And and he talks about um, how this story. He called it an article, which you wrote the article after the fact. Sure did. But I mean, it came. It actually came out on the pod. Um, but you wrote an article after the fact, and, and then we doubled down on it, and we put a, uh, had Kyle tweet out the uh, double down, the, triple down, quadruple down. <laughs> it got picked up by Yahoo in Canada. Yeah, which it, is it, where it, got, I, it went. It went pretty viral. Yep. Um, but we've had the sound of Frank saying what he said, and and Hayes addressed it on the podcast today. What did you think of of what he said? Because I, I have diff- I might have a different opinion than you. I thought it was interesting because the way that. Mm. There was a follow-up that you and I got, but I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it or not, so I'm not going to say it. You can be the one to say it if uh, if you think it's kosher or not. Go ahead. Um, no, I, I'll let... No, no, I'll, I, know what you're, I know what you're talking about, but go, just about, keep going. About I'll, I'll say okay. what I have to say. So, I thought it was interesting insofar as he mentioned multiple times that the the article going out, and then they said, I think it was a podcast. It doesn't matter. It was both. Um that it got him not not in hot water with his teammates, but that it became a ribbing for him early on in his time around the team. That they went out to team uh, team dinner almost as soon as uh, I guess he got signed, and that was one of the first things was oh you know the big money guy and somebody saying to him oh well we know the only reason you signed here is because they they overpaid you right. Um, I took it as he was trying to make the the most of a bad situation, and I think that uh, I'll, I'll go this far. I think that what Saravalli reported is true, and I think that Kevin Hayes had to do some kind of damage control because there's no, there's no good way as a player to try to spin your way out of that. Because if you think that the conversation you're having with a friend or with, with an acquaintance is privileged, and then that person goes and tells a reporter, and then that reporter goes and tells a couple of guys on a Flyers podcast, which then goes international... There's no good way for him to spin that and to say, okay, I, I mean, I said... That if the Flyers, you know, paid me an exorbitant amount of money, of course I would sign there. There, there's only a way to change the tone, maybe, but you can't really change what what he might have said. So I think 
it shows that he was aware of what was being said. His teammates were aware of what was being said. And then I look at what's happened since and him becoming not only an alternate captain, but you look at the um, the mic'd up segment that the Flyers did and you see what kind of a guy he is in the locker room. And that's one of those intangibles that you can't quantify with numbers. And so I think he's done a good job of making the most out of a out of what could have been a bad situation. And he did rib himself. What did he say? Four goals. Right. And he said, you know, yeah. that it goes. Well, it was, it goes at the time a long they recorded it. He only had four goals. Yeah. Yes. So go ahead. What did yeah. you think? Well, no, I, you surprised me. I didn't think you were going to go there. Um, what did you think I, I was going to say? I, I agree. No, I agree with you. I, I think that I think that there's no doubt that what Frank reported was 100 percent true. Um, and the only th- and, you know, the first inkling of this is that Kevin Hayes says, you know, oh, Whitney has my back. He's talking about Ryan Whitney, who's the host of Spit and Chicklets. Yeah, they're, they're really tight. They golf together, whatever. So the fact that Whitney has my back. Yeah, that's like, oh, he's going to cover for me. He's going to make it sound, you know, he's going to make, you know, put it out there that it wasn't, you know, that I, this didn't happen. But then he goes on later in the podcast, if you listen to the whole thing, he goes on later in the podcast to say, you know, oh, Frank gave me a ride home. He did. You know, say, he talk- said almost almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. We that, talk, when we he landed in Philly, it. he landed in yeah. Philly. They ran yeah. into each other. Saravalli came up, introduced himself and apologized for the uh, the right. firestorm that it caused. Right. And then but that, but then like they talked and Frank gave him a ride to his new house. He'd never been there yet and everything. And um, and they gave him a hard time. They're like, you just got a 50 million dollar contract. You couldn't afford an Uber. <laughs> but no, but Hayes. But then Hayes says, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that he got bad information. But, you know, he was in Boston and, you know, and I wasn't even there. I was actually down in Philly. And, you know, everybody up there knows my family and. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you know, Frank's not talking to, like, his Jamoke friends from Southie. I mean, he's talking he's talking to NHL players who, you now maybe it's an NHL player from up there that Frank talked to. And I don't I don't. I think he said on the show Frank that it was, a, it was an NHL player. Yeah, I don't claim to know who Frank's source is. Well, that's who Frank said on our podcast. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm certain that that's who Frank talked to, um, that he talked to another NHL player. Now, is it possible that somewhere in the conversation between Hayes and this other NHL player – that the 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 story got lost in translation a little bit sure i mean it's quite possible it's quite possible but i mean you know I mean, who knows maybe they were out getting hammered <laughs> one night in the in the spring sure and maybe maybe hayes you know just innocuously says something like i ain't going there unless they give me you know 50 million dollars whatever you know what i'm saying like i mean maybe that's just what was said kind of jokingly and it gets turned into um you know by this other nhl player to Frank, oh, Kevin didn't even want to go there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. could have just been something that was really just kind of stupid and innocuous, and it ended up being that way. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it. And I think Kevin, without admitting it, admitted it uh, on the podcast. I mean, you guys can listen for yourselves and tell, you know, let us know what you think. You can, you know, message us on Twitter or call on the show next week or whatever. Tell uh, us we have an agenda. Wait, do whatever you feel. Yeah, no, but uh, no, seriously. I mean, I. No, I know. It, and I'm not I'm not trying to, to knock Kevin Hayes here. I, I think that he handled it about as well as he could. And I think you're right. I think that he had to, you know, he had to do some uh, some walking back. He had to do a little bit of, you know, of, of uh, you know, put the fire out as quick as he could kind of thing. And and yeah, and, and that's and that's fine. That's all well and good. But he didn't flat out. He had an opportunity on that podcast to come out and deny that it was said. Yeah. And did not do that. I think that's an olive branch. I think he's trying to get on this show. On Snow the Goalie? We will gladly welcome Kevin Hayes onto the show. We should. Because I think Kevin Hayes is a good guy. 
Uh, obviously, I, did you watch the video? The, did you the watch video, the mic'd up video? The mic'd up video. This is the thing, and I think <laughs> I think the Flyers do a lot of things right, and I think in terms of content that they provide, I wonder where that started. Stop. Can did you did you just pull a muscle patting yourself on the back with that? <laughs> um, here's the thing: they do a really good job with the the behind the scenes kind of stuff, and where I feel like the NHL Network behind the glass special kind of fell flat, and I think it fell very flat. If I'm being honest, I feel like I feel like my hand, my gestures just became like Trumpian. But like I, I feel like when you compare what the Winter Classic kind of build up the 24/7 show on HBO is, and then you have to dial that back, you have to dial the language back, you have to dial the content back. You're you're filling a half hour segment with probably 14, 13 minutes of commercials. Um, you're not gonna feel a real connection to the players like like you've grown accustomed to in the past. Um, I think that was a massive ball dropped by the organization or by the NHL network that Kevin Hayes wasn't featured in that same sort of way as what we saw on the ice uh, that the Flyers put out about a week ago. Because that's the kind of guy, if if you have a clip like that early in the season, this squashes the whole narrative altogether. Yeah. Like right now, I... right now we are not having that conversation. He has struggled putting up points, but he's done a great job on the PK. He's been a 200-foot player. AV's talked about it ad nauseum. If you put out a clip like that early on, it kills the whole thing right off the bat. Right? Oh, you're right. You're right about that. But I'll tell you what. I think that it, the timing of it is perfect because he's now playing well. He's now putting up points. Um, again, this is what he does in his career. He is a streaky player. He scores in bunches, and then he disappears for a while, and then he scores in bunches, and then he disappears offensively at least. Sounds like um, a few other guys on the team. You know, you know who the, the greatest player that the Flyers ever had that was like that was, was Jeff Carter. Carter, Carter, for as much as he scored, he would be the, he was the streakiest player ever, man. Yeah. He would score a ton and then he wouldn't do anything for like six, seven games. Like, where the heck's Jeff Carter? But um, but no, he's playing really well. Uh he's putting up some points. Yeah, he's got a couple cheapies, but you know what? When you're going well, sometimes you get the cheapies, right? Um and, and yes, and that video came out at the right time. This podcast comes out at the right time. Like it's it's good timing for Kevin Hayes right now. You're getting to see what the, what there is to like about him. Um so, I mean, uh, for, first of all, for those who haven't seen the video, they're available on Twitter. Um, I think I put out a thread that had had all of the pertinent videos in it. The one is they're they're in the tunnel getting ready to come out. I think it was against the Canucks, and he's got the nicknames for everybody. He's hyping everyone up. Yeah, he gets out on the <laughs> he gets out on the ice, and what if if Crossing Broad were still in the T-shirt game the way that that uh, used to be? The I used to be a ref. Would I be used a to be a ref. Was, it's tremendous. Because every offside call, every call along the boards, he's giving <laughs> he it to the ref. about everything. <laughs> I mean, every call. And then at one point, uh, the official says something to him like, I got it, I got it. And he's like, no, you don't. And it, and it just, again and again, I used to be a ref. Did you know I used to ref? And I screwed something up. I thought that he was referring to Phil Myers on the bench, and he wasn't. He was, uh, he, uh, who, it was on the Canucks. Um, he said he looks like a giraffe. He kept saying leaf eater, leaf eater. Yes. And it was a, a really endearing moment. It was Tyler Myers of the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Right. Who, I mean, in fairness, if uh, if some people are uh, neck challenged, this guy's got enough for four people. <laughs> he has no problem seeing over the crowds. Hey, he's uh, a big boy. In He's concerts. tall. Yeah. He's a tall boy. But he kept calling him leaf eater. And I know... <laughs> 
I know that like last year, the uh, moment of TK going uh, after Malkin and and calling him a bleeping nerd was uh, one of the most endearing moments in Flyers history. But yep. Leaf Eater, I, I think uh, if people hated Tyler Myers, which they really don't have a reason to, if people truly hated Ty- Tyler Myers, uh, that would have been a, a bigger deal. But I digress. It was awesome. The The clips behind the scenes were great. And Kevin Hayes, I mean, he talked about uh, after the Maple Leafs game, and then he, he also said on, um, on the Chicklets podcast that he thinks this team is the closest one he's ever been on, the tightest group. He did mention on Chicklets, which I thought was good, uh, he said that there was one Rangers team that he was on that was a really, really tight group. But he said he thinks this one's the tightest. I, I, Any time a player... I, I think about, here, one other thing Go I want ahead. to say about that, just to interrupt you, I'm sorry for one second. This interview, although it came out today, it was recorded about a month ago, maybe just under a month ago, about three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago. This was before they got on their run. Yeah. So it was before they got on the run that he said that he felt this team was the closest he's ever been on. So that means a lot, right? I mean, that that tells you that they kind of had that feeling, even though they weren't winning, you know, all those games, they were losing a lot. That that's when they were losing all the shootouts, right? Um, that 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 even then they kind of felt like things were good. And I even like the fact that he went into just because it, it means because we we hear it so much on Twitter because you know Twitter is the be all end all right of of the universe. But we heard, he was to have him sit there and talk about the kind of people that Voracek, Giroux, and Couturier are as leaders in the locker room, and how Giroux is a you know is a is a little bit of a how he digs at people a little bit and has a lot of fun with guys. I mean, they were talking about the money on the board, and and Giroux, <laughs> Giroux gets a gets a young player just because he played for a junior hockey team that is owned by Coots. So we had to put money on the board yeah. if they would have won the game. Like Drew does a lot of research on these guys and, and finds ways to like really have fun with them. And you always, find, you always sit here, well, how's he a good leader? How's he a good leader? Well, there's an example. And it's not the biggest example. It's not the greatest example, but it's an example. And so to hear Hayes talk about you know, the relationship between Vorchek and Giroux and Vorchek telling him, hey, buddy, this is what I've had to deal with for eight years. Right. <laughs> you know, and to hear the things that Giroux does and to hear how funny actually Coots is. Um, and I knew that when I got to be around him a lot when I worked for the team and he was still just a young player. Yeah. But to hear all that coming from a brand new player in the in the organization is is a huge step for for this team because you don't you never really got it before and and hopefully it allays a lot of fears and a lot of concerns that fans have for for this team well let's talk about Hayes for a second as an alternate captain then because I feel like when he got named as one of the alternate captains there was an immediate question and almost like a backlash because how do you make a new guy part of the leadership core right away and there was initially that question of is this just AV looking to install a former player in a position of of leadership to almost be a liaison between himself and his coaching staff and and the the, the team at, at large, it doesn't feel like that now, does it? And and if it was, it's certainly not necessarily the case now. He's he's grown relationships with these other guys, and now all of a sudden, like you said, you're looking at a team that now that the curtain's being pulled back a little bit further, is actually a much more likable bunch than you know you would have gotten from watching the games on TV or watching that NHL network special. Right? Like it's it's a good thing. Yeah, no it is. And and um 
I, I think you, I think you, you, once you get to know Kevin Hayes a little bit more, you get to see why he was picked as, as that alternate captain and, and why it matters. Um, yeah, he's just, he's just a guy that, you know, that fits that role really nicely. He's, he's a, you know, rah, rah, gung ho kind of player, um, who's well liked by the, by his teammates. And that's, that's all, that's all it comes down to really. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what fans think. It really only matters what the players in the organization thinks. And if they identify him as a guy that they look to and turn to, to, to be, you know, a leader in some capacity, whatever that capacity might be. And he might just be, you know, the guy who keeps things loose, you know, the guy who's fun, the guy who's got the right attitude and whatever, then that's fine. That's great. And that's what they need. And it's not for anybody else to say, you know, it should be some, it shouldn't be Kevin Hayes. It should be someone else instead. You know, I, I trust teams. I trust the teams that to pick guys that they identify with more so than who. We, that's why, you know, I, I don't ever write stories like so and so shouldn't be the captain or so and so should be an alternate. It doesn't really matter. Because you don't have the guts for it or. No, it doesn't I'm make just, a difference. It doesn't matter to us. Yeah. It really, it doesn't matter. No, we can talk it about it. But no. It makes no difference. Right, Russ? I mean, it really doesn't. It, it means doesn't. it means something to the team. And that's all that matters. I agree. Let's take a look at uh, there's something that that came across the wire that we haven't seen in a while, my friend. What's we, that? We used to talk about these on the podcast all the time. Yeah, we got a five star review over there on uh, Apple Podcasts. <sighs> a five star review. I haven't even brought up the notion of a five star review in quite some time because now that the show's on the radio, we know that we have a lot of people that check in on it live, and sometimes we forget about the uh, we forget about the archived podcast feed, and we know that people are listening to it over there. Um, because they they comment to us later in the night and then the next day. We got a five-star review. Go over to Apple Podcasts, leave one for uh, Snow the Goalie. And of course, if you've missed any of the archived episodes, if you've missed any of the excellent interviews that were done with, uh, you know, head coach Elaine Vigneault, former president Paul Holmgren, former GM Ron Hextall, et cetera. And that's we're the, working that's on the place some good stuff. Oh, on, we have some good stuff in the pipeline yes. that the people yes, are going to be very, very interested in. Yeah, yeah. Um, here we go. Five-star review. I don't. Uh, the name was uh, Do Senate. If you love the Flyers and really want to know what's happening, clearly regular sports radio doesn't sate that need. Snow the goalie does. A must listen for real hockey devotees. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Do Senate. How about that? That's a nice five star review. That for always us. feels yeah. That, that boosts your morale. Yeah, that's good it stuff. It really does. It's so, good stuff. Yeah, it's a good feeling. <laughs> Uh, you want to take a look at the week ahead? So I was about to uh, to say, Flyers have three games yeah. between now and next Monday when we go on the air. So uh, let's break this down for the people. Of course, unfortunately, by virtue of these being three away games, that means no press row show this week. No. I know the people are devastated. No. Um, they've got the Avalanche. They're in Colorado on Wednesday night. That's a 9.30 start. They've got Minnesota on Saturday. Luckily, that's a 7 o'clock start. And they've got... Winnipeg on Sunday at 5 p.m. So really, there's only one super late night to stay up. That's not that bad. It happens on Wednesday. How do you see this going for the Flyers? Avalanche, Wild, Jets. So, uh, well, I th- uh, We can yeah, catch I- the people up really quickly. The Avalanche, uh, Avalanche are second in the Central Division. Mm-hmm. The Wild are fifth in that division. Uh, how many points off are there? They're eight points behind the Avalanche. And, of course, the Jets are in third in the Central Division. Um, they are just two points behind the Avalanche. So you're, you're getting 
two, three, and five in the Central. Yeah, um, I, I think this is a tough trip for the Flyers because of the injuries that they have, um, and you're looking at uh, some good teams in, in the sense that I think Colorado is one of those teams that's going to be in the mix uh, near the end of the year. They're really talented. Um, it's a tough place to play. Uh, again, it's that whole mile-high thing, man. You go play out there, by, usually by the third period, you're sucking wind a little bit. And, and guys have said that for years and years and years. It's a tough place to play. Um, so I, I think that's a tough one. Uh, and then to play back-to-back. Now, Minnesota got off to a terrible start, but they've been playing better hockey lately. Um, they really kind of turned it around here a little bit. Um, so they're, they're actually not going to, you know, they're going to be a lot tougher than you think, especially Chuck Fletcher's, I think it's his first game back there. I know they played them, I forget. I know they played them once after he became the GM last year, but I think it was here in Philly. And I think that this is his first trip back there as the general manager of the Flyers. So that team's going to be up to play that game in front of those fans. And then you got Winnipeg, which is always a difficult place to play. And then, of course, it's on a back-to-back uh, with travel uh, in between. So I'm going to go with, because the Flyers are playing well, I don't think it's a bad, uh, a bad stretch of games, but I'm going to go 1-1-1. One, one, and one. And the one win, I'm going to say the one win is in Winnipeg. Wow. I think they lose in regulation, really? in, lose in regulation in Colorado, lose in a shootout in Minnesota, and win in Winnipeg. Hmm. So 1-1-1 one, one one is my pick for the Hashtag Winnipeg? Win, yes. Hashtag win a peg, yes. All right, so you have them going 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Lennox behind the glass says 1-2. Who gets? When do they get the win, Lennox? Uh, the second game, Minnesota. Okay, you ready for this, Anthony? Buckle in. Come back to me next week. Flyers go. O. O one and two. Yeah, you, you, you took the pause at the wrong time. Yeah, man. I. You, 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 I you, you let the cat out of the bag with your zero prediction. Yeah, and then you left us hanging there for five seconds. I'm, while I'm you really decided worried. How you to go with the three I'm, losses. I'm very worried about how the uh, the Konechny injury works out impacts this team because yeah, I I think that you could make the case that maybe this ends up buying Farabee a little bit more time. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him on power play. I know that Av talked about. Um, it was after the Arizona game. Um, he had been asked a couple of times about Frost taking valuable playing time on the power play from Farabee, and AV kind of alluded to the fact that you know things things will change. There's an ebb and flow to the season, and and that it's not out of question that Farabee could end up back up there. I wonder if that's a, a move that they end up making to try to boost the kid's confidence, try to get him back on track. You know, you get one in the net, and then all of a sudden, who's to say that he can't go on a bit of a of a scoring streak, um, and that can kind of help sustain them for these next few games? I don't want to say that they're going to go winless, but I think it's a tough stretch. Um, the only the only way that I think this works out in their benefit, like I think Colorado is a really tough matchup. If they win one, I think it might be Minnesota. I might actually go with Lennox there, but I think it ends up being 0-2. Well, there, there, there's no doubt that they're a better team than the, than the Wild. I think that they're a better team. I just think that the Wild are going to be up for that game, uh, again, because they're going to be playing against... got to remember, that team is predominantly put the, was predominantly put together by Chuck Fletcher. So I think that there's a little bit extra in, in there for them. And it's going to be interesting to see how he does the goalie rotation. I think Hart will play... Um, the first game, and then he'll play in Winnipeg, and then I think that Probably Elliott will play in Minnesota. Um, counter, 
counter to your argument, they're going to be in the midst. That'll be the final game of a three-game homestand they've got. They've got Anaheim coming in Tuesday. They've got the Oilers coming in Thursday. Um, yeah. That ends up being a 7 o'clock start, so body clock-wise for the Flyers, like this this might not hurt them as much as it could have if it had been a, a later start. Um, yeah. and, and there is a possibility that Minnesota looks ahead to Sunday's game. I mean, the next day, they they're, that night they're going to travel, presumably, or, or super early on Sunday morning, they're going to travel um, to Chicago to play the Blackhawks. And so, like, maybe there's the idea that they kind of look ahead to what should be an easy win on Sunday. They take their eye off the prize and the Flyers, you know, manage to jump on them late. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you completely here. I mean, obviously, you know, I have them 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You have them 0-1-2. and two. So we only have a one-game difference here. Um, and I think that I just think that they, the Flyers will figure out, you know, how to recover from Konechny. Or he could be back, for all we know. I mean, but I think that they'll recover and figure it out by Sunday. Okay. Uh, so, so either they'll either know what they're doing and he, you know, and, and cover for him by then, or he'll be back in the lineup and you won't have to worry about it. So that's why I think that Sunday's the game that they'll, this week that they'll win. Um, but, you know, but I'm not, it, I don't think they're going to get the doors blown off by any stretch of the imagination. I think Colorado's a good team. And I think the Avalanche win that game regulation, but I think it's going to probably be something like 4-2. Like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um and then I, I predicted the Minnesota game would be a shootout loss. So that's, you know, you're still going to get a point there. Sure. Um, and then I think they win the, win the game against Winnipeg. So it's not going to be a lost trip. Um, it's just going to be it's just going to be a trip. It's going to be a, a December road trip out west is what it's going to be. And if you get three points out of six, great. That's not bad. And then they, of course, come back around and, and all of a sudden they've got a nice set of home games that we will be covering uh, next week. So until then. Let's make sure that we let the people know where to find uh, all the content that you'll be churning out, I'm sure, for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers this uh, upcoming week over on CrossingBroad.com. Um, and then go check out, if you missed any part of this episode today, go check out the archived podcast feed. Uh, it's available over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever else you get your podcasts and go back, listen to this episode, listen back to some of the other archived episodes. And uh, don't forget, leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's much appreciated, and uh, in this holiday season, what's what's wrong with a little bit of giving? Give those five stars. Give them up. Make uh, Mr. Happy himself, Anthony Sanfilippo, our Grinch. Let him let him have his heart grow two sizes, right? Sure. There we go. Well, <laughs> thanks to Ryan Lennox behind the glass. This has been Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show. We'll talk to you again next week. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll be back next Monday. I want to thank uh, Ryan Lennox for producing the show. Uh, and uh, next week, Russ will say that he predicted 2-1 after they go 2-1. Oh, stop. Until then, uh, this you've been listening Snow to goalie. Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN, Philadelphia.